Welcome to this week's episode of our podcast series SCI Care What Really Matters bringing experts together virtually to share their experiences and insights with you. I am your host Dr. Harvinder Chhabra Chief of Spine Service and Medical Director Indian Spinal Injury Center and the president of ISCOS. Research and publication complement clinical care teaching and training. The secret is comprised in three words work finish publish. This quote of Michael Faraday clearly brings out how publishing is the most important means for communicating and the final output for scientific work or research. There are many reasons for publishing. Scientific publication increases the author's knowledge. This is clearly brought out by the quote of Samuel Johnson, the 18th century British writer. The greatest part of a writer's time is spent in reading. In order to write, a man will turn over half a library. However, the most compelling reason for many professionals to publish is to fulfill specific job requirements by employers that include promotion to an academic position, professional accreditation in the form of continuing medical education and improving prospects of success in research grant application publications are thus central to career paths including both funding and appointments publication is also a means for authors to gain national and international recognition and acknowledgement a researcher's performance and productivity are judged largely on the number of publications as well as where they appear No wonder the adage "publish or perish" is a stark reminder of the importance of publication. However, publishing in academic journals is highly competitive. There are some challenges that will confront all academic writers. There is no simple formula for getting published. However, there are a number of ways to improve chances of acceptance. To discuss this in today's episode of our podcast series. tips on getting your work published in iscos journals i have with me none other than the distinguished editors of the two iscos journals professor lisa harve is at sydney school of medicine university of sydney australia and is editor in chief for spinal cord dr markali alexander is president sustain our abilities and editor in chief for spinal cord series and cases Professor Harvey will also be running an in-depth workshop on the same topic at our virtual conference this September and you'll be able to ask her questions directly during the workshop. Welcome Lisa and Markley. Let's start the discussions with you Lisa. What are the publication priorities of Spinal Cord? Uh Spinal Cord prioritizes original research uh that is contains prospectively collected data. that's driven by a very clear and important question and so we give very high priority to randomized control trials but we will also um consider non-randomized uh diagnostic studies cohort studies case control studies um we're also very interested in animal studies and qualitative studies and also reviews particularly systematic reviews but we will also consider narrative reviews thanks lisa markley what are the publication priorities of spinal cord series and cases well spinal cord series and cases focuses on exactly that we look for new interesting case reports in spinal cord injury and also in 
disorders that people may have in multiple ways, we would look for case series. So we're looking for interesting. But on top of that, we're also looking for your new work. We are looking also for, as part of traditional cases, pilot studies. So if you're trying a new technique or you've learned something new that you're planning to ultimately write a grant on and develop into a full-blown research project, but you want to share with people that exciting new information, then Spinal Cord Series is the place for you. We're also interested in what's going on in the world. We want to hear about current things. And we want to know not just about the person's spinal cord injury, but about their whole life. So for instance, we've got coronavirus right now. Well, what's going on coronavirus in your country? How is it impacting people? Not only from a medical standpoint, but also what could be happening from a practical standpoint. Also, we want to talk about things like recreation. There's been little research published on topics such as sit skiing or, for instance, curling. Um, a lot of different topics that are new that aren't in other places, we are interested in. If you scuba dive or have a scuba diving program at your rehabilitation center, how does that work? How does that benefit people with spinal cord injuries? So those are in terms of the case reports and pilot studies where we look. We're also interested very much in developing countries. We want people in developing countries to share how it's going for their programs and for their people in spinal cord injury. Also, I'm very interested in sustainability, making sure that people with spinal cord injuries are able to live the full life they live now and even better 50 years from now. So when we talk about sustainability, we have to think about things like climate change and disasters, which are increasing in frequency, and talk about things like coronavirus, because yes, we have a pandemic now, but with the world um, the way it is, with so much interaction between people, we have to consider, well, this could actually happen again. What we do want to do, though, is make sure that we are here about access for all. We want to make sure that people in developing countries, people in developed countries hear each other and there is communication so people can learn from each other. Finally, the priorities of spinal cord series of cases in terms of being out there with new issues are to focus on some special topics we have. And those are doing pulse surveys where we reach out to the membership in the community and respond and give their feedback on topics such as how is they're doing the international standards exam, uh, what's going on with depression in their communities, what is the bladder care, etc. And we have point counterpoints. Uh, a couple years ago, we addressed the opioid crisis and what's going on with that. This year, we started having perspectives. So if you have an important opinion on a topic and you want to share that, you can send it to Spinal Cord Series and Cases. Thanks, Markley. Thanks for summarizing that. Publishing in academic journals is highly competitive. Lisa, what are your tips on generating a valuable idea or piece of research? Well, I think the most important thing for valuable ideas or research is the initial question. So before you even start collecting the data, 
the thing that is most important and the thing that will make the real difference to helping you get your paper published is the original actual question. So all of us need to be asking questions that are really going to make a difference to people's spinal cord injuries. So we need to move away from the trap of just doing research for the sake of research and we need to think big and think about really important questions. And once you've thought of a really important question, my next bit of advice would be if you're an inexperienced author, then my next bit of advice would be that you really get someone who's very experienced um, to assist you in the design before you even start. So it's too late to go and look for assistance once you've collected the data. The time and point at which you need the assistance is before you actually collect the data. So try and find someone who's very experienced, particularly epidemiologists that have really good experience and expertise in design and get them to help you before you actually start. And if you can get those two things right, then you're halfway over the line. So that would be my um, main suggestion. Thanks, Lisa. Markley, what are your tips on generating a valuable idea or piece of research? If you're uncertain, you can always send a note to the editor and say, is this a topic you would be interested in? As we do get more papers, yes, we become more selective. Spinal cord series in cases is about spinal cord medicine, and we are interdisciplinary. What this means is that we want papers mostly that are going to address people with spinal cord disorders. We may sometimes publish papers related to associated issues related to spinal cord injury, such as spine surgery. But if it's just spine surgery, it's not enough. It needs to be spine surgery in people with spinal cord disorders. And we're much more interested in spinal cord injury and disorders, not spinal damage. So I think you have to really reach out to the editor if you're concerned so that you're not submitting a paper and then it just gets sent back to you without any review, without any comments saying, find another journal. Thanks, Markley. Uh, once the first hurdle is overcome and a valuable idea or piece of research is generated, what are your tips, Markley, on how to sum it up in a way that will capture the interest of the reviewers? So the most important thing a person needs to do is if you have not submitted to the journal before, go to the information for authors. Right there, you find a step-by-step -step process, instructions on how to tailor your paper. You want to make sure as you write your paper that you've got a title that is broad enough so that you're going to capture as many readers as possible, yet specific enough so you say what you're doing. Also. If you are not from a primary English-speaking country, think about this. See if you can get a primary English speaker involved. Your idea might be really great, but if the English is really bad, then some of the reviewers may not see your paper in a positive light and may just want to reject. So if you can get that piece of the puzzle managed before you submit the paper, it's a great thing. And it may take three or four revisions before you submit an article, but that's okay. Write the paper, um, give it a week, read it again, correct it. And then before you submit a paper to a journal, 
let your friends read it. Let a couple of your colleagues read it and have them give you information and take their feedback. If they're asking a question, it's like having the advantage of having an early reviewer. Once you do this, you've followed the instructions, you've had the paper reviewed locally, I think then you're ready to submit. Also, in terms of figures and legends, you want to use figures. You want the legends on the figures. You want to use tables, but you also don't want to use too many. Two or three may be great for a piece. You might even need four or five. But when people start sending in 10, 11, 12 figures, it gets to be a little bit too much. And oftentimes you want to tone that down. Lisa, do you have anything to add to that? So the only thing I would add to Mark Lee, I mean, I, I agree with everything Mark Lee said, but to sum it up, the really critical thing is that it needs to be relevant to people. So we need to be remembering who our readers are that are going to be reading this and we need to sum up in a way that it's clear to them what to do with this research. So it needs to have clinical implications. It needs to be very clear what to do and so you've really got to, at the end of your paper, when you're summarizing it all up, is you've got to ask yourself, so what? So the so what question is, what do I do with this piece of information and with this research? And so my key bit of advice would be make sure that when you're concluding your papers that you answer that really important question of so what? What do I do with this information as a clinician? How is it going to change my practice? Uh, that's great, Lisa. Makali, do you have any suggestions on considerations while submitting the manuscript? One thing I would say is that manuscripts in spinal cord series and cases are meant to be read by people around the world. So if you're submitting, say, from a small country, it's good to submit that manuscript or even a large country. Say you want to submit, say you're in the U.S. and you're submitting manuscript. You know, the U.S. is an interesting place. That's fine. But it's not the only place in the world. So what we want to do is when we submit manuscripts, consider the whole world. Consider how this is impacting people in Asia or Europe or Africa or Australasia. Talk about the implications in other places. Um, one of the things also that may be important in a manuscript sometimes is we do have different payer sources in different countries. One of the things I think our readers enjoy is learning about healthcare and how it works in different countries. So if you're talking about something that's regional, explain what the background is for what you're doing and how that might be different in other countries. The other thing is, as you know, in rehabilitation, we're interdisciplinary. So when you speak about a person, tell us not just about their medical status, but tell us about the person. You know, JJ was a 35-year-old male construction worker that sustained a spinal cord injury. He was married. He had two children. We want to know those other details, and we want to know how the person gets back into their life. The other um, suggestion and consideration that I would have is that we are very interested in educating people about using the autonomic standards, the autonomic standards, otherwise known as the ISAFSKI, the Inter International Standards for the Assessment of Autonomic Function after SCI, the International Standards for the Neurologic Classification of SCI, and in the data sets. We are interested in papers that 
evaluate the use of these tools, we'd also like people to use these tools as they put in their work. Lisa, would you want to add to what Markley has said? Well, the actual submitting process is a bit of a formality. My biggest piece of advice would be to read the author guides. And, you know, author guidelines are long by necessity because there's a lot of detail in them that just authors have to be on top of. So you really, you just got to read those author guidelines, unfortunately, and make sure you adhere to them. Thanks, Lisa. What is your advice on how to respond to reviewer feedback? Yeah, reviewer feedback and how you respond to it is a really important process and there are some tips I could give on this. My main tip would be, number one, remember that the reviewers, they're volunteers. So it's really important that we're always, you know, very respectful and appreciative of our reviewers. Um, make sure that if they ask you a question, don't just answer the question in your rebuttal letter. If they're asking you a question, they want you to add something to your paper. So make sure you actually add something to the paper. Don't just answer the question for the sake of the reviewer. And if a reviewer says that they can't find something or you haven't done something and you have done it, it usually means that it's not clear and you need to go back to what you've written and make sure that it's absolutely clear. You need to also appreciate that you don't have to agree with everything the reviewer says. So I would always say pick your fights. For things that you can live with, that you don't mind changing your paper um, for a reviewer, then I would encourage you just to do it. But if they're things that are important, then by all means, you know, hold your ground, but just argue your case and provide a good reason as to why you don't think you should do something. My other bit of advice would be to please have mercy on myself and the reviewers and please make our life as simple as possible. And the way that you can do that is by in every single response to every single item or every item on your rebuttal letter is actually give us the text that you've changed. So if you can say this suggestion has been adopted, we have added the following text, and then give us the actual text in your rebuttal letter. This is much preferable than saying see page 8, line 32, because that requires a lot of work for us to go backwards, forwards, backwards, forwards, trying to match bits in the manuscript with your rebuttal letter. So make it as easy as you possibly can for myself and for the reviewers by putting the actual text that you've changed in the rebuttal letter and make it very clear whether you have or haven't responded to all the different issues that have been raised. Thanks, Lisa. Those are very important things people should keep in mind. Markley, what is your advice on how to respond to a reviewer feedback? Take a deep breath. Some reviewers are tougher than others. Sometimes this may be difficult for someone that's just submitting a paper, submitting an article. Realize, though, that reviewers are there to help you. And what the reviewers suggest is going to make your article better. So I would just take it with stride, respond to their questions, 
respond to their questions with a sentence in the text, or if they suggest changing a word, I'd just go ahead and change it. And the other thing is I'd make sure I follow the timelines because you do get timelines when you get reviewer feedback and we want to keep the submission process moving forward. Take the feedback and learn from it. That's my best suggestion. Thanks, Markley. What are your key considerations for accepting or rejecting a manuscript, Lisa? Yeah, well, this is, um, you know, this is a very important issue. What, what are we looking for when we make these decisions? I suppose a thing people need to appreciate is when a paper first gets submitted, we initially look at it to see whether it's in scope. So if it's not in scope or not a publication priority, then we won't send it out for review and you'll be told very quickly. But if it is in scope and we send it out to review, then our decision about whether we accept it or reject it is actually primarily based on what our reviewers say and their recommendations. So whether we accept or reject is very, very much so dependent on what the reviewers say and what the reviewers recommend. But at the end of the day, what we're looking for is we're looking for high-quality science, we're looking for papers that ask questions that are really important questions, questions that are going to make a difference to how clinicians manage people with spinal cord injuries and going to make a difference to the lives of people with spinal cord injuries. So really important questions, good signs, important questions, and, of course, a good writer. Thanks, Lisa. Markley, do you have anything to add to that? Really, whether the topic is appropriate for the journal is the biggest consideration and how the reviewers see it. I try to accept manuscripts. I try to err on the side of accepting manuscripts that I think are good and interesting, even if they've got um, a ways to go in terms of improving the language. But if that same paper comes to me and I send it out to two reviewers, which is usually what we do for series and cases, in that case, I will potentially have to reject. So the rejections are coming more when the topic is not related to spinal cord injury, or the person thought it was an uncommon topic, but every reviewer is like, this is really common. You know, I don't see why you publish this. Um, or if it's just not well written and the person's not following directions, clearly hasn't had um, mentorship. I think if you are a young person, and we do totally encourage young people to submit to the journal, um, please get a mentor. Please get someone that's written a paper before that can help you in the process. But, you know, I like to say we are biased towards accepting manuscripts and will as much as possible will give people a chance to resubmit even more than once. We have discussed considerations authors should keep in mind to get their work published. Can you give your pulse of wisdom? In fact, summarize whatever you have said, your pulse of wisdom, Lisa. <laughs> well, I don't know about my pearls of wisdom, but I guess my really big, strong recommendation for all of us is that we do research that's really important, that we do research that's going to make a difference. 
We do research that will change clinical practice, that will answer important questions and that will move the field forward. The, the question is everything and we all need to perhaps be doing less research but do it better and do research that is really important to the field. Makali, can you give your pulse of wisdom? Pearls of wisdom. Not sure I'm wise enough to give pearls, but I will say that having a proactive, positive attitude comes across in your writing. Remember, you are writing about a person. You are not writing about a case. We want to make sure that when we publish things, we are publishing things about an individual and what happened to them with their spinal cord injury. So we want to make sure that we use the proper terminology. Um, we don't use patient. We use individual. We follow the guidelines. We're also concise and to the point. That means while I'm asking for details, I also want to make sure the details are summarized and not that the paper's not rambling. So I would say, remember the person. We want to know about them. We want the data. We want to know what the problem was, how you dealt with it, and what the outcome was. And when you give us the outcome, we don't just want to know, like, for instance, we might get surgical papers and they'll say the patient was do doing fine one year after. And we don't want to know just whether the person was doing fine. I want to know the man went back to being a farmer and he was able to work six hours a day, but he walked with a cane or, you know, in those kind of details. So the pearls would be compassionate in your writing and it will come across and be a paper that people will want to read. Thanks, Markley. So friends, we have had an interesting discussion. We discussed that both journals, Spinal Cord and Spinal Cord Series and Cases, have their publication priorities. It is very important to keep these in mind while submitting the manuscript. Generating a valuable idea or piece of research is perhaps the most important step of the whole exercise. Look for questions which could make a difference to the lives of persons with SCI. Plan your study well from the beginning. Involve relevant experts like epidemiologists from the very beginning. Non-native English writers should preferably get a primary English speaker involved. Take your time in writing the manuscript. Summing the manuscript up in a way that will capture the interest of reviewers is also very important. At the end of the paper, ask yourself, so what do I do with this information? How does it change my practice? Once you have finalized the manuscript, get a couple of colleagues to read it and give suggestions. While planning and submitting the manuscript, keep in mind the guidelines for authors. While responding to reviewer feedback, keep in mind that reviewers are volunteers and hence always be respectful. If a question is asked, don't just answer but also add that to the paper. Pick your fights with the reviewer. Argue your case only for important things. For every single item on rebuttal letter, give the text that has been changed in the rebuttal letter itself. 
key considerations for accepting or rejecting a manuscript include whether the topic is in the scope of the journal and in the publication priority, whether the work is high quality science, ask questions that are important and will make a change in lives of persons with SCI, and of course, whether the reviewers recommend or reject the manuscript. Markley's pearls of wisdom were to be proactive, be compassionate in writing, ensure that a positive attitude comes across in writing, use proper terminology, and be concise as well as to the point. Lisa's pearls of wisdom were to do research which is important, do less research but do it well, do research which will add value and make a difference to the lives of persons with spinal cord injuries. I'd like to thank Lisa and Markley for taking out time today for this episode of the podcast. I have thoroughly enjoyed the discussions. I'm sure listeners will enjoy them too. Thank you. We have all the relevant links discussed in this episode in our show notes. We also have information on how to register for our virtual conference taking place this September. Please do take a look. Until then, please do subscribe and we look forward to bringing you more on SCI care what really matters